live. It's the NXPress Nintendo Podcast. Uh, <laughs> yet another episode. I'm your host, Cameron Dax, and joining us, we have games editor Mark Kalaroff. Baron Bird are back on Switch. Will Campbell care about their hitch? That's the best I got. I couldn't come up with that. The hitch? Wow. Are they married? <laughs> Incredible. No, this is this is this is a good start. Uh, Campbell, indie games editor, Campbell Gill is also here. Campbell, say hi. Playing banjo on the Switch is nice because now a Switch Online is worth the price. Damn. <laughs> this is this is the be- I, I I should have prepared a, a grunty rhyme and I I did not. Uh, I should have prepared a grunty rhyme. Sadly, I did not have the time. Um, hey, eh, it's weak, weak at best. That said, guys, it's Banjo Kazooie. It's on the Switch, courtesy of the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack it's great <laughs> um, i don't think we need us to to confirm that but kind of what i wanted to talk about was just why is banjo kazooie such an enduring game uh i know that mark has played this game extensively uh yes, via this is my the, fourth time <laughs> this is your fourth time playing through you play yep. it via the xbox right the yep. rare collection mm-hmm. i played it on the original xbox live arcade and then i played it on rare replay Rare Replay, that's what it's called. Thank you. Uh, I was saying before we started recording that I played this game back when it came out. So uh, before either of my co-hosts were alive. And uh, <laughs> have not really played it since. I remember I, I used to live with a guy who had an Xbox and had the Rare Replay. So I, I played maybe like the intro stage um, a few years back. But I hadn't played it extensively until... Uh, since I was a kid, until this this very week, so it has been just a blast from the past to to revisit uh, Banjo Kazooie, and just it's it's uh, it's very nostalgic for me, and it's and it's truly a great a great way to re- replay this game. Uh, where do we want to start? How do we how do we even begin this conversation about Banjo Kazooie? Oh, Campbell, I, sh- I should have said you. This is your first time playing this game, is that right? It absolutely is. I've never played it before. First time going through it and seeing what the heck all this buzz is about for this bear and bird. All the fuss. All, all the, the fuss, fuss about the Banjo fuzz, Kazooie. The buzz, all that good stuff. <laughs> the fuss, the fuzz, and the buzz. Um, I guess that's as good a place to start as any. Uh, how? Where are you in the game so far? You said you hadn't been able to put too much time in. Yeah, I'm only the first few worlds in, so up Got to it. Bubble Gloop Swamp. Um, oh, okay, great. So, you know, pretty early, but I've, mm-hmm. you know, still been able to get a lot out of it. I got everything there is in Mumbo's Mountain, uh, working through Treasure Trove Cove, and just going into Bubble Gloop Swamp now. And honestly, I'm just spending so much time just exploring the hub world and stuff, too. Yeah. Like, there's just wait so a second, much wait a second. to do. Yeah? Campbell, you didn't go to Clanker's Cavern? Was that what I was supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> that's why i love this game yes Look, so um you have so many decisions so technically you are at the halfway point but in a technical sense you're not at the halfway point <laughs> because either clanker's cavern or bubble gloop swamp is going to be like that in between three worlds since there's nine worlds in the game mm, so okay yeah so that's what you chose to do but that technically is... you did miss uh, clanker's cavern which comes beforehand can i go back to clanker's cavern or is this yeah, of done course. forever you can go to okay, that cool. anytime you want yeah <laughs> well and that's okay so that's let's start there because this is this is the thing that I completely forgot about this game. Um, as as Mark mentioned, the structure of Banjo Kazooie is wildly nonlinear, especially compared to to its contemporaries. Um, 
This is a game that came out in 1998. Uh, Super Mario 64 had just come out in 1996, I want to say. Something like that. Sounds Uh, good to me. And this game is before Donkey Kong 64, unless I'm mistaken. This is all off the top of my head, by the way. I don't have a, a Wikipedia or anything in front of me. So this is this is off a... This is off off the top of my head. Uh, if I'm incorrect, please correct me, um, Mark. When you're when you're editing this, just uh, just pop in and make some edits and uh, uh, as as you go through. <laughs> um, so this game is is coming out an interesting time. I would say that 3D platformers, 3D mascot platformers, were kind of in their heyday around this time in the mid to late 90s. You've got Mario 64. You've got Banjo Kazooie. You've got you know, Bubsy, uh, all the all the hits. Yes, uh, the heyday of Bubsy. Buck Bumble, you know all the. <laughs> Maybe in soundtrack, yes, definitely. The there you go. Of there. course, yeah. As we can all agree. Um, but what Banjo Kazooie does that is uh, very, and the thing that makes it hold up, in my opinion, is its nonlinearity. It's two things: it's nonlinearity, and it's very surprisingly in-depth hub world. Uh, in, so, for example, in Mario 64, you're exploring Peach's castle. You can jump into different paintings, which lead you to different stages. Banjo-Kazooie kind of operates in a similar fashion. There's a Gruntilda's Tower that you're in. And uh, as you're exploring this this very sprawling labyrinth that is Gruntilda's little mansion, you're uh, unlocking different worlds. And as, as Campbell just alluded to, you can entirely bypass certain worlds if you don't find them because the way they're gated off is by uh, musical note doors. So, for example, the the first world, Mumbo's Mountain, it's just right there in the open. Um, You can unlock the next kind of set of worlds by going through a door by uh, having a certain amount of musical notes, which you find within uh, each individual stage. Each stage is 100 notes. The doors are like, oh, you can't open this door until you have... You know, 50 notes, 150 notes, 260 notes, whatever it is. Um, so there's, like, variations for the stages that certain people will see, depending on how uh, thorough they are in exploring the hub world. Yeah, Clanker's Cavern, which Campbell apparently completely has bypassed so far. <laughs> um, you, yeah, it, it's world, kind of... I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, 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 don't be. Listen, Clanker's Cavern sucks, because the swimming in this game is terrible. Okay, that's uh, one thing I've noticed early on, especially with yeah. the, the cove. It's just, like, very, very frustrating. But, like, it's an mm. N64 game. It's not like I'm expecting The swimming is bad. I think we can all yeah. agree the swimming is the worst part of, of Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, all the swimming levels at that, you know, time period. Which so, is yeah, it's true. The, yeah, <laughs> I navigating... still think it's better, though, than, like, a lot of other games. And Banjo Tooie just, like, I don't want to say it perfected it, but it is way, way better. Like, it's probably the best swimming section in any N64 game whenever you have to swim in a game. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm now having dumped a good amount of time into this game and been surprisingly just having a blast. I do. I never played Banjo Tooie. That's one that, that kind of missed me because uh, it was right at the tail end of the N64 era. Um, so I was kind of just leaving middle school, getting into high school, you know, eighth grade around that time. I just I didn't have as much time uh, to be playing uh, big 3D collectathons. Uh, so I completely missed Banjo Tooie. That said, I really hope it comes to the Switch Online expansion pack because um, having just been really like to me, I'm I'm surprised by how much I'm enjoying uh, Banjo Kazooie. Mm-hmm. It really makes me want to check out the sequel mm-hmm. uh, to see what I still haven't find. completed uh, Banjo Tooie. I've completed Banjo Kazooie four times, but I've never <laughs> beaten Banjo Tooie. 
yeah. fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> Which I say, having never played Banjo-Kazooie before, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Mm. So, let's circle back to you, Campbell. Um, so, you what what are, like, your, your general kind of first impressions? Uh, uh, I know you're, like, you did not grow up in the N64 era, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, right, right. Uh, uh, like you're coming in a completely cold mm-hmm. um what like what's your like general your general thoughts like obviously this game is not like there's a lot of ways it doesn't hold up you know it's it's a very mm-hmm. early yeah. 3d polygonal game like there's a lot of stuff that doesn't age particularly well but is there anything that you're that you're noticing that like oh wow this kind of holds up or like oh boy i can't believe they still are doing x y and z right i mean we already talked about the swimming that sucks but i didn't really expect that to be good anyway i went and went in any game really i just expect the swimming controls <laughs> to be bad it's really just not easy to pull that off but aside from that yes. though i've been truly just surprised at how much i've been enjoying this because maybe this is a bit of a confession but like i've never been a huge fan of traditional 3d collectathon platformers and that's a bit mm. ironic considering i grew up playing mario 64 all the time i played the ds version of it but you know that was one of my favorite games growing up but really the the kind of platformers that resonated with me were super linear you know i've talked a billion times about how much i love mario galaxy you know so I always enjoyed linearity over these kind of open-ended collectathon style games, but going into Banjo Kazooie, I've just been really, really having a blast with how every each world. You now I haven't played through all the worlds yet, obviously, but each world I've played through is just packed with so many little secrets, so many little things to do, so many surprises and delightful bits of personality and jokes and all that kind of stuff. It's just a really charming game even now, and. You know, it, even it, it looks great, too, with the art direction. It looks so cartoony and fun and silly in every way. Um, and I've been delighted with all the bits, like, in the, the uh, what's the first level? Mumbo's Mountain, where you have the bit with that, like, totem pole where you have to shoot out the, like, throw mm-hmm. the eggs out at it to mm-hmm. uh, knock those out. Or how you could just, like, I didn't even realize at first some, uh, that you can uh, ground pound those like huts that are around the totem pole. I only did that oh, just yeah. by experimentation. So the way that the whole world is just open for you know interacting with it and just seeing what works and it's reactive to what you do. It's really impressive and, and delightful to just test out all of that. So I've been really having a blast with that regard. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I uh, I just I just completely forgot um, exactly what you just said, Campbell. The the personality that is just leaking through every single NPC or like quest, you know, like little side quest characters, even Mumbo himself. Like everybody has these little funny little lines of dialogue or just like. Have you gotten to Freeze Easy Peak yet? No, you haven't yet, right, Campbell? I have not, no. I, okay. I see the painting for it, but I don't have enough puzzle pieces. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so so Freeze Easy Peak is like, you know, it's your standard snow level. Um, of course, there's a polar bear. And of course, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you meet him pretty early on, and he's like, he's like sick to his stomach. He's like, oh, I ate too much. Like, just like moaning and groaning on the ground right in front of you, right when you start the level. And like... His little side quest is you got to climb to like the top of the level, launch a sled down a mountain and land on his stomach. So he spits up the jiggy that he ate. And it's like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just hilarious. It's like, like little, little sight gags like that is like, it's almost like a little bit of slapstick in this game. Like, I think that's one thing that these, these 3D polygonal games, like, obviously they can't do super complicated facial features or like, you know, really like, gorgeous sprite work or anything like that they, they have to kind of rely on these like broad 
uh, movements, broad expressions. Just because like that's that's where the technology was at the time. And I think it it really I don't know it works for me. It really holds up in in uh, in a way that that was shocking to me. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with you that there's there's just so much so much character that just is is present, <laughs> um, especially in the in in those early levels yeah and one um, thing i gotta add on the topic of personality is just we opened the show by doing our own grunty rhymes but i love all of her dialogue not just because it's so clever but also because the rhymes i checked now i looked it up they're all written in trochaic tetrameter which just makes my english major so so happy <laughs> the fact that they went through the trouble of not only making them rhyme but also metrically consistent is Truly yeah, we stunning. here we here on N Express we we strive for metric consistency. That is what we are all about. <laughs> uh, let the record show: no iambic pentameter on this podcast. Only trochaic around here. <laughs> the beat um, is on the first syllable, not on the second. That's the difference. That's right. Yo, no, yeah, that's the, the that's the, that's the Macbeth thing. The double, double <laughs> toil and trouble. Right? It's you know exactly. we, we're all aware of it. Yeah, of course, um, everybody. Yeah, it's it's what witches do. Uh, of course, we're referring to the fact that Grunty, uh, Gruntilda, the main wait, antagonist wait, wait, of Banjo Kazooie. Does that mean that Grunty is a reference to Macbeth? Then? Oh my God! I hope so. <laughs> oh my! I'm God. always saying this. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Probably Somebody write British this. humor. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Sorry, Cameron. Go on. I just had no, to express that epiphany. Bro- there. Campbell, you've just broken this thing wide open. Right? <laughs> uh, I think this is this is it right here. Um, no. So Gruntilda, uh, the the antagonist of this game. I also had forgotten that the the the, uh, the inciting incident of Banjo Kazooie is actually uh, rather than like we're trying to rescue a princess or something like that, uh, Banjo's trying to rescue his sister, which is like that's cute. Uh, Gruntilda has kidnapped Tui, Tootie, Tootie, that's her name, not not Tui, Tootie. Uh, uh, Gruntilda's kidnapped Tootie in the hopes of siphoning her youth to make herself. <laughs> Hot? Like, what's... Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, Something and there's actually like secret uh, game over screens where she oh, succeeds. Oh, it's, it's not a secret. Oh, <laughs> um, it happens anytime you hit save and quit. It's right there. Oh, yeah, I forgot about... You know what? Save states have just spoiled us. I was gonna That's say, funny. I've never seen that, and now, frankly, I'm scared <gasps> Oh, to Campbell, you... Oh, I'm almost tempted to say, like, let's take a minute and you go watch this cutscene because it's worth it. Um, Honestly, I'm down if you are. My switch is right over here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. If, if you uh, next time you have a second, just hit save and quit or, you know, next time you're in like a comfortable place in the game, hit save and quit or like purposefully get a game over, like lose all your lives. And you'll see a very, <laughs> a very funny cutscene. Maybe has not aged as well as the rest of the game. Um depicting what would happen if Banjo uh, fails in his quest to rescue his sister. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm going to do that uh, during our break after this. Okay, segment. yes, please do, so that we can get some <laughs> thoughts on it, because it's it's certainly worth watching. Um, yeah, so as she's kind of taunting you throughout the game, uh, she's hidden away at the top of her tower, and, and she's always, every now and then, as you're exploring the uh, the, the hub world, she'll she'll chime in with a rhyme to be like, Banjo, you suck, or like, you're moving too slow, or whatever it is. Uh, it's great. It's 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 very fitting with the world. Uh, it makes you want to, oh, you want to get grunty. Like, it's, it's great. It just works. Kazooie and Banjo themselves, great. No silent protagonists here. Like, they're awesome. <laughs> Everybody uh, talks. Everybody the sh- talks. The sheer amount of Including the collectibles. Abuse. Yes, that too. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's great. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's great. 
I had forgotten how much of the sound bites and uh, sound effects were burned into my memory from this game. I also uh, love how many of them have become memes now as well. And I've been playing through it, and I'm like, oh, wait, that's where that sound came from? That's where Ekam Bokum came from? <laughs> so Incredible. Yes, Banjo-Kazooie, source of memes. That's that's why we all love it. The whole um, soundtrack by Grant Kirkhope is just fantastic. It's great. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It's great. Really trying to listen. We're we are we're pulling to get him on the show. Hopefully, hopefully that can happen. Uh, he actually some... just did on um, on Spotify. You can listen to it now. He reorchestrated the entire soundtrack, but he did it to like have remixes and stuff like at the halfway point of each track. Incredible. Yeah, the the re what's it called? Rejiggied or something yeah, like that. Yeah, rejiggied. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It, the soundtrack really is uh, it's a standout. Um it's the entire game is very musical. Like the fact that, you know, obviously the character's name is Banjo and of course his partner Kazooie. Like if if you watch the opening cutscene, all the all the characters play instruments. Uh it's great. Like every time you pick up a health pickup or something, it plays a little banjo strum. Um anytime uh, you pick up the, the, the collectibles, the main collectibles, rather than like coins or something like that. They're musical notes. They play a little, a little uh, uh, xylophone sound. Like very musical game, and it's it, it's just great. Um, every egg you find is a little boingy, like boing boing. It's, it's awesome. Um, Campbell, as as a musician, uh, any any like takeaways from that? It's just, it's wonderful. Really, you, you said it already. I love the soundtrack so far. I love the sheer enthusiasm behind every single track. It's just a happy soundtrack, you know? Yeah. And just, um, and it's also a very distinct style as well. This is something I've noted before. I even played the games because I heard the music in various other places. Um, but there's just a, a bouncy, cartoony element to it that is just so distinct and just so lovely. And, you know, I'm a sucker for any game with great music. So it's definitely, definitely helping the experience along i'm loving it even though i'm not really a big banjo fan in real life though so it's oh you just gotta listen to steve martin play it oh okay i'll do that right after this (laughs) you gotta listen to some old crow medicine show that's what you gotta do Uh, okay i'll i'll I'll, I'll give you my whole my whole uh ozark uh (laughs) banjo (laughs) recommendations during the break um so yeah it's it's a it's a fantastic soundtrack the i want to go back to uh uh something that mark and i keep keep clamoring about which is the non-linearity of this game yeah this game uh okay so everybody raves about mario odyssey right like oh my god you can explore each (laughs) world and you find all the power moons you don't have to leave the world you can just find them well banjo did it first and uh kind of nails it truthfully i i was yeah I, i i just for some reason or other i this that part of the game had not stuck in my memory the fact that maybe it's because I've just been playing a lot of Mario Galaxy and Mario 64 lately of like in and, and the way those ga- those games are set up when you enter into a stage once you find the star or the shine or whatever it is you're you're booted out of that stage and back to the hub world Banjo-Kazooie doesn't do that um, in every stage there are 10 jiggies I want to yes. say mm-hmm. 10 jiggies the gold- 100 notes and that's right um, Two honeycombs, typically. Five Jinjos, two honeycombs. You find six honeycombs, you get a new health piece, kind of like a piece of heart. Mm -hmm. Um, So rather than get kicked out of the world every time you find a golden jigsaw piece, you can stay in the world and keep exploring it, keep finding secrets. One of the things that I love about this game is that you hit the pause, you hit the pause button, pulls up the, uh, you know, pulls up your, 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 your totals. And you can, you can kind of scroll through and check your totals for each game. It also tells you 
how long you've, what's the fastest time you, you beat that level. Yes. So I found myself <laughs> spending 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half in these stages. I'm, I'm just moving a little slower than, than Mark, uh, who was just, just blitzing yeah, through this Yeah, this game is just glued to my brain. I was I going through like 20 minutes per level. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a, and it's a popular choice for for in like the speedrunning community for for that very reason. These kinds of games uh, have kind of a hold on on uh, you know the games done quick community because it's like okay, how fast can you hundred percent this game? How fast can you just blaze through every level and find every single collectible? Like, what's the optimal order to hit these stages to find the new moves? To, to there was actually reboot. like a speedrunning aspect that was implemented into the game towards the end of the. Um, the development and it was like a yeah. total accident but what happened was they ran out of memory on the n64 like something like that with a technical limitation but uh the game doesn't record in the original version how many notes you've picked up in a level so you have to collect all 100 notes in one run to keep it at 100 and if not if you go back into the level you have to collect them all again you can't just be like i have 74 and need to get the last few instead it's like you got to get all 100 again so that's yes, why they yes. have like this note score system where every time you leave the level, Bottles tells you how many uh, notes you picked up in the amount of time. That's right. It's, uh, that's one of the things that I forgot. But again, it's all designed to keep you in the level. Do you know what I mean? Because like, I, I, like, especially when you hit, once you hit like 30, 40 notes, you're like, man, I don't want to leave the level and lose all those notes I found. I guess I better stay in here and find all 100 notes. Uh, it's like it's like perfectly designed to keep you exploring, to keep you kind of digging around in the level to find all those notes. That said, there are some stages where it is impossible to find every note because there are certain moves that you will not have the first time you visit certain levels. Mm-hmm. Um, at least depending on what order you approach each stage. Um, in every level, uh, bottles the mole. Will give you, will give Banjo Kazooie a new, a new move, a new tool to explore the world. Sometimes it's uh, like the flying feather, like one of the main collectibles in the game. It lets you fly through the air. Sometimes it's like a random collectible, like um, like the the wading boots that let you walk through poisonous water or or frozen water. Um, there's this, what is it? This is the running shoes, which lets you like mm-hmm. super talent trot. Super talent, right? Stuff like that. So it's like, it's, uh, and it's, again, it's that, it's that, that little thing that, those little brain worms that, like, you see that collectible, you're like, oh, I don't know what that does yet. I can't wait to unlock it. So it's like, you're, you're, as you're playing the game, you're kind of noting, like, okay, I see running shoes over there. All right, gotta remember to go back to that thing. Um, it's just, it's just impeccably designed. Like, really, just the whole completionist aspect of it, like, it makes you want to get every single musical note, every single jigsaw piece, every single collectible. Like something about it, it just is that that perfect spiral of making you want to play more and more and more. Like it really d- nails it, I think. Yeah. And the other the other incredible thing, going back to the the uh, the hub world aspect of it all, within every stage, there is a secret portrait of Gruntilda that you can find, and if you ground pound it, it unlocks a jigsaw piece back in the hub world world. Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. mind-blowing mario 64 has a little bit of this like the castle the the uh, peach's castle itself has secret stars that you can find if you're you know clever enough to look for them but i love the way that there's kind of this feedback loop between going into a level unlocking a jigsaw piece exiting the level 
finding the jigsaw piece in the hub world, doing it all over again. Like it's 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 really very well done, and uh, something again that I'd kind of forgotten about. I I, I don't know. I'm I think it's. Uh, it's pretty great, <laughs> I think. It really is. And I love that you brought up the Mario Odyssey comparisons as well. Yes. Because when I was playing through it the first time, it, it was kind of hitting me where I was like, hey, this is where Mario Odyssey got all its ideas from, basically. This is where that <laughs> template came from. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy to experience that, especially because, you know, when Mario Odyssey came out, all the comparisons were to Mario 64, right? But. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Banjo-Kazooie perfected that formula, and Mario Odyssey probably got a lot more of its great ideas from, from Banjo than from from 64, I think. Um, yeah, well, I, I, here's what I'll say. So, obviously, we're it, it is impossible to talk about Banjo-Kazooie and not talk about other, other games of its type, whether that's Banjo-Tooie or Mario 64 or, like... Hell, we could we could even get to the platonic stuff, the ukulele of it all. Like we could, we can oh, we can God. get to that. <laughs> uh, well, well let, let's start, listen. I, I do want to get to that because like I'm I'm interested to hear guys' thoughts about that. Um, so like, I think that one thing that Banjo Kazooie really nails is it it makes you really, as I've said this before, it makes you really want to explore every nook and cranny of the stages. You want to see the NPCs and hear their funny dialogue. You want to like figure out how to how to climb that impossible slope or whatever it is that I don't think that Banjo-Kazooie controls as well as Mario 64 does like the 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 movement of Banjo I think is not as tight as Mario in my opinion that's interesting yeah like I think that Banjo has more interesting moves like obviously you've got more attacks you've got the the ability to fly are you saying Banjo is better or worse I don't think it's as as good personally. Gotcha. To, I, okay. Like to me, I, I mean, obviously your mileage may vary. I think that the movement of Mario sixty four feels better than Banjo Kazooie does. I think. I mean, I haven't finished Banjo Kazooie yet, so maybe I'm not the most authoritative opinion on it. But like, I've had a better time controlling Banjo than I have had playing Mario sixty four personally. Interesting. Like, yeah, I I'm found sixty four just be kind of weird. Yeah. I, I just that... literally played Mario 64 last night to make a comparison between the two. And I feel As, like oh, you Banjo, did the homework. Though, you did yes, the homework. I did. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> well... I feel like it's not depth perception is an issue in Mario 64 because it certainly isn't. But I feel like with certain jumps and stuff, it's harder because of how weighty like Mario is in that game. But Banjo and Kazooie mm. are so lightweight. That it's like, and you know, Banjo has these extra moves where it's like the double jump and, you know, Kazooie with the Talon Trot and how you can make like a farther jump. So it's like, he has those moves over Mario, but I don't know. There's something about the controls where I feel like, well, not only is the camera better, in my opinion, in this game the, okay, Mario fair 64, enough. The, cam- the camera's but, better, um, yeah. yeah. I, I just feel like there's something about Banjo's controls that are so fine-tuned that makes just like running around in the overworld just like addictive. Hmm. I just I, to me, it's the. Uh, I, and I don't know if this is actually literally true. I feel like he moves slower. <laughs> That's just yes, and again, this, well, he does, but it's also because of like the world design and stuff. Right. Exactly. I feel like it's, the it's, world is a perfect design to his running speed. Or if you're using the talent shot, I feel like 
it's a perfect speed to just like get around no matter which movement you're using. Like Mario 64 was clearly designed around Mario's movement and the same could be said about Banjo in a sense where, you know, like what you said before, like how you need certain moves to get through certain obstacles and it's just like the whole world, how you can skip levels, but then you may need a certain power up to go back. And Mario 64, you know, the base control set that you have at the beginning of the game, you have at the end of the game. There's no changes in between, unlike Banjo, where you get all these different moves. Right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. So, I don't know. It's like, it kind of comes down to, like, I guess the the, the equivalent in Mario 64 would be the unlockable caps. Like, you get the flying cap, you get the metal cap, you get the invisible (laughs) cap. Um, But other than that, you have all of Mario's base moves right at the beginning. Um, whereas in Banjo-Kazooie, you do have to unlock things. So maybe that's what I prefer. Like, I like just being able to do all the things right away. Um, mm-hmm. and that just could and be I a like, personal preference. I like the sense of, you know, progression in this game, because it actually, it aligns sure. with the final battle, where I feel like with Bowser and Mario 64, I feel like if you don't know the advanced moves, you could still beat Bowser, but in this case, with Gruntilda, you actually need to know, like, all of Banjo's moves to be able to beat Gruntilda. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, that's true. And no there, insults a... the Bowser because the Bowser battle in Mario sixty four is no, no, no. Listen, I, I'm, not, but... I'm, I'm not even trying to like pit these games against each other. I just think mm-hmm. I just think it makes for an interesting conversation to kind of compare them. Um, I'm not saying like you know let's let's sacrifice one of them on the altar of good games. <laughs> Maybe I am. I don't know. Um, but no, I, I think uh, that's, that's that's a good a good point, Mark. There, there is a very steady and clear. Um, like line of progression in Banjo Kazooie. Um, it just, it just, you, you, every you, you constantly feel as though you are earning new moves or secrets or something. Like you always feel like you're you're gaining something, um, which does feel really really good. Um, and yeah, that's that's uh, that's undeniable. I think that's uh, one of, one of the best things about the game is that you if always anything... feel as yeah. I think the game's biggest flaw is honestly the fact that you need quite literally almost every single collectible to face Gruntilda at the end, which right. slight spoiler Campbell, but um, you I'm can only miss um, six jiggies to beat Gruntilda to fight her. What man? Yeah. You yeah. Can oh only God. miss six. I believe it might be six or eight, but I think it's only like the, what you were talking about before with the Gruntilda spaces, how you um, ground pound yeah. on them and you get one in the overworld. I'm pretty sure those are the only ones you can miss. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I'm going back to Treasure Trove Cove then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could... See, here's the thing. You could miss one in a level, but you just have to make sure that you collect the one in the overworld. Yeah, but I literally got like six in Treasure Trove Cove. So I thought like, oh, I I have enough to get to the next world. Okay, well, that's silly. (laughs) And getting to the world, the next world kind of means nothing because towards the end of the game, like I'm not even kidding to enter the last two worlds. You need like a ridiculous amount of notes. So you can't even, like, miss those either. So you just should aim for 100% yes. anyway. Okay. And the, go- the yeah. good thing about 100% is you're also rewarded before the final battle, which you'll obviously see it when you get there. But uh-huh. um, yeah. if you collect every single note in Jiggy, you basically get, like, a super powered-up banjo before you get the fight Gruntilda. And it's like you get maximum eggs and, like, the maximum gold wings and then, um, like, a doubled health and, like, all this other stuff. So, like, you'll be fully decked out and ready to fight Gruntilda in one run. Because if you don't have those, I don't want to say you're screwed, but the fight kind of takes a lot longer since you have to keep grabbing collectibles. Or use a limited supply of collectibles in this case. 
I yeah, see, it's, I see. So and it's like and that again that kind of goes back to the, the the thesis of like this game truly is designed to be like completed from 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 top to tail. Like it, it the game wants you to complete it. Mm-hmm. Um I, I I don't know if that design philosophy has aged particularly well. Like for for me personally, I'm like, well, I I would rather experience a little bit of everything than like completely brute force and and get a hundred percent in every level before moving on to the next one. Like mm-hmm. I would rather just like bang through and and kind of get a glimpse, kind of get a tasting menu of every level. Which mm-hmm. you know, if, going back to our uh, you know Mario Odyssey comparison, like that's one of the things that I appreciate about Mario, Mario Odyssey is that like once you once you kind of beat the boss of the level, you, you're free to move on to the next one. You know, there's no real mm-hmm. limits mm-hmm. to to how far you can go. Yeah. Uh, whereas this game basically wants you to do every single thing you come across when you come across it. I don't know if that's necessarily a design flaw because it feels very intentional, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it no, wants to totally keep you in this world. It yeah. wa- exactly, yeah. And I think the main difference is that most of the time I'm right there with you, Cameron. I don't really care for 100%ing my games, especially not collect-a-thon style games. I would never attempt yes. to 100% Mario Odyssey, for example. You know, that there's a lot to do there. But... Uh, Banjo-Kazooie is one of the first times I felt like truly compelled to just collect all the jigsaw pieces, you know, and collect all the various collectibles in there. It just, there's something about the structure of the level, how it rewards you for every one of them, how it's just truly just delightful to see the little secrets, the little little hidden uh, treats that you can find in the world, you know, that really compel you to keep keep, uh, exploring and keep revealing all that stuff. So I don't really mind it. At this point, I'll just keep in mind as I play through the game to, you know, let it compel me to 100% for every level then. Yeah, well, it's it's like, it depends how, you know, obviously it depends how much you want to put into this game. Like, at the end of the day, listen, this is a 24-year-old game at this point. So it's like, if, if you want, if you, I think the ending is, is like, it's pretty, it's a pretty rewarding game. Like, it does feel good to do all the things. Like, as Mark said, that the mm-hmm. bonus towards the end is, is really cool. Like, the fact that the game wants to reward players for taking the time to do everything is, is awesome and very novel for the time. Um, but that said, there are modern versions of this game that, you know, maybe Improve. feel feel better to play. I don't know. Like I don't know. Listen, let's we got we got to talk about it. Uh, so obviously, Rare, the company, uh, Rareware, which made Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Tooie, Golden Eye sixty four, like a, a slew of very popular games in the nineties. Uh, they no longer exist in the same form that they once did. Uh, Rare, the company, got bought by Xbox, or by Microsoft, I should say, a few years back. They are currently developing Sea of Thieves and continuing to make content for that game. But a lot of the developers for Rare moved over to create their own studio called Platonic. They did a Kickstarter a few years back and released Banjo... Or no, sorry, sorry, Ukulele. Uh, yeah, right, that, that's... Oof. Uh, we so wish the, it was banjo. A bit <laughs> well, that's the thing. So, uh, ukulele, uh, very clearly, like we want to make a banjo kazooie game, but we're not allowed to because we don't have the rights to it. So we're gonna just call this game ukulele. It's about a little chameleon who has a bat in a backpack as opposed to a bear with a bird in a backpack. So, like, very clearly trying to make the same thing. Uh, did, did either of you guys play a ukulele? I did. 
And do you know what, what I think about it? I would love to know. I think it's one of the biggest failures of a successors that I've Whoa. ever seen oh, in this industry. Oh, no. Yeah, okay, I think let's, it's let's... the culmination of every single problem that Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, and Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts all built up to. It feels like it took every single one of their problems and jammed it all into this game. And I'm just like, when it came out, I played it, I picked it up day one, and I was baffled over how many terrible decisions there just were throughout the game. It's not like, it's not the worst game I've ever played, but even even in comparison to like Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, it was like, this game was just horrendous for what it was trying to do. It felt like it just failed to be Banjo-Kazooie because the, the levels were... This is my big problem with the Banjo games as they evolved. It was that the levels got too big. And I think that's why sure. everyone really hated Banjo-Kazooie. You know, outside of the nuts and bolts being about the cars and stuff. But I think the reason people hated that game was the worlds were just too big and people didn't understand them. And even though I do understand the aspect of having this big, like, glamorous adventure, it, it just doesn't work with that movement speed. And that's why... That's part of the reason why I never finished Banjo-Tooie, because I feel like Banjo-Tooie is too, you know, it's too big and too sprawling and too confusing. And I feel mm. like they tried to aim too high, and it just doesn't work in all the areas. Like, it's still a fantastic game from what I've played. I've never finished, like, the final boss and stuff. But it's still, like, a competent platformer. It's just very, very big for no particular reason. Like, it doesn't have a reason to be that big. And that's my big problem with ukulele. It's just, it's enormous. And the collectibles aren't spread out or anything. They're all in, like, these heaps of areas. And then, meanwhile, it's, like, nothingness. Just a huge... Like, I, the water level is literally the definition of how that game failed. It's a giant horizon of nothing. Like, sure, mm. it looks maybe a little pretty, but it's like, no, there's nothing to it. There's nothing to do in this world. And that's my big mm -hmm. problem with that game. And yeah. one thing I might want to add on to that is I did not play ukulele. But oh, I good. did play. <laughs> uh, but I did play the pseudo sequel follow up Ukulele, which I heard is fantastic. It is. It's Great amazing. Game. It's Great truly game. brilliant, and I think it really says a lot that once they started moving away from the Banjo Kazooie formula, they actually made a really brilliant game. And it's well, funny I mean, because it's... Campbell, they keep blaming that um, you know like people don't enjoy those games now, but it's just like Mario Odyssey just came out, and it's one of the highest-rated games of all time. And it shows yep. that, no, no one's sick of this genre. We're sick of how people are making it. Because they're mm. not making these... Like, Banjo-Kazooie, I think, is, like, the peak of the genre. Because it's this, like, mm -hmm. concise world, and everything is interconnected, and it makes sense, and there's a progression to it. Yeah, like, outside of the fact that you need all the collectibles to finish it, it's competent. And, like, it makes you want to keep going. But these games mm -hmm. are just, like, they're aiming too high, and there's too much, and they're focused on, like, these cameos and, like, all this other BS. And it's, like, nobody cares. Like, you just want to be able to run around the world, collect stuff, and have a good time. Like, at Banjo-Kazooie, it was you pick up a puzzle piece, and you hear a jingle, and it's, like, satisfying. But then in ukulele, it's, like, do 20,000 different things you know a million different subquests finally get the piece and realize that you just traversed the whole world and got like five collectibles it's like ridiculous yeah so that's a that's a great point um i think a lot of people uh and i don't know if you want to call this nostalgia or like misremembering or what but like a lot of the the, the things that people love about these old games is not that these levels were like as you said, uh, sprawling and gigantic. That's not the draw. The draw is that they feel concise and, and, and connected. Like, Mark, you put it perfectly. 
And uh, it is, it's a shame that some of these modern, uh, I don't know what you call, want to call them, reinterpretations or, or, or something don't quite mm-hmm. capture that. Um, with that said, The Impossible Layer is a great game, especially if you love old school Donkey Kong Country. Like, again, it's, this, is, this is the rare, uh, uh, the Platonic Studios showing their chops because a lot of those people worked on Donkey Kong Country and, and its sequels, and it very clearly comes through with Ukulele and The Impossible Layer. Obviously, you don't get that, like, you know, that 3D collectathon aspect because they're a completely different style of game. Uh, but if you like those those uh, those 2D uh, style of, of very difficult platformers uh, packed full of secrets, then, then The Impossible Layer is, is a great game and very satisfying to play. Um, really hard. Like, it's not called The Impossible Layer for nothing, um, but very fun. Um, but we're, get, we're getting off topic, off the topic of Banjo-Kazooie. Um, I don't know. That said, do, do you think they will, I don't know, do you think Platonic will make a kind of, a, a, a return to this style of game, or do you think they oh, will yes, move on completely? Oh, yes, they're already doing that. Oh, they, are they? Okay, great. They already, with the, um, oh my god, what company bought them? Is it Tencent? Mm, I don't know. Wait, who invested in them? There was one that company is... that invested in them. Maybe? Mm, I, I couldn't tell you. There's one company that invested in them, and in their like investors um, release, they said that they're working on a sequel to Ukulele. That's not like a spinoff, like a proper sequel. Awesome. I mean, uh, good good for them. I guess I guess we'll see what happens. Hopefully, um, they listen to the criticism. So hopefully, well, again, it, it's one of those things where, like, because Banjo Kazooie has such like such a nostalgic fan base. Um, I think that the criticisms leveled against ukulele are perhaps harsher than they would be for like mm. any other first time studio <laughs> doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think I'm being crazy. Here. I, um, yeah. No, well, no, I think there were, I think it's more than that. I think there were a lot of problems leading up to that game's launch, especially sure. with how much money was just being like, they only asked for like a hundred thousand in their Kickstarter and they got like two million in like a day right. it was ridiculous and they kept making all these new promises and stuff and they just kept getting more money and i felt like yeah the overall end goal project not only it arrived um like a little after the date they expected but like i feel like this thing should have been delayed like just indefinitely like push just it out like, like for, two further, or three years you know if you yeah, made, if you made 21 times the amount you asked for like clearly this thing could be pushed out a little further and i feel yeah. like this kind of just like got it out and that was it and it just wasn't good yeah i, mean, I know well, i know people like it but i feel like the nostalgia is kind of eating at them yeah but <laughs> I, was, I was like yeah. i was going to ask didn't they get a lot of patches later down the line it i remember did, hearing the patches helped like, a lot <sighs> Eh, no? They fixed a lot of glitches and stuff, <laughs> but you're not going to fix this huge, you know, overworld problem. Like, when I mean, like, Campbell, in Banjo-Kazooie for Mumbo's Mountain, you can get around that entire mountain in probably, like, five minutes, maybe. You can explore the whole thing without picking up a single collectible. In Ukulele, maybe it'll take you, like, a half hour. Wow. And there's the same amount of collectibles. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's that's uh, pretty condemning because like that is what I've really appreciated about Banjo Kazooie so far. I love how concise the worlds are, like we've already discussed. So, I think this is definitely a case where bigger does not always equal better. It does not. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was the well, big that's always from and, that game, and that's always the danger of um, you know of these crowdfunding games is that like sometimes the developers you know they don't anticipate the level of success that they're going to achieve, and and sometimes that's great. Like so every now and then you end up with like. Uh, 
I'm, I'm just thinking of of games I've I've uh, backed like like Hyperlight Drifter where they mm-hmm. they really right. exceed their goal and they're able to to make a mm-hmm. kick ass game. Shovel Knight, um, yeah. exactly. But I was yeah, going to mention just... like that's partly issue with Kickstarter in itself because it incentivizes developers or anybody to add stretch goals and add additional work yes. onto it as they get more funding, which means that they're adding more work and stretching those funds further rather than using those funds to go into their existing creative vision. You know, mm-hmm. obviously it worked for Shovel Knight, but uh, and they were able to create five, well, four or five separate games out of that single mm-hmm. Kickstarter campaign. But they also but not everybody can do. Game, exactly know? exactly they it took them years yeah. yeah it took them years to get all of those stretch goals met and obviously very few other kickstarter darlings can reach that same threshold and you know it sounds like ukulele was certainly one of them oh it did not <laughs> what a yeah. shame it it's a mess <laughs> yeah but banjo kazooie um, is now on switch so we can uh, erase our memory of that catastrophe and play yeah. a good game it, there Indeed. you go sometimes it works out and uh, uh mark just to return to a point you made earlier it was in fact tencent who has bought a stake there in we go. Uh, platonic yeah mm-hmm. which is um, promising because they'll be able to you know further their development and get more sure. advanced people on it which is good because you know the creative vision they have is not to go too off topic, but the creative vision they have is fantastic. I mean, the characters in ukulele are great. Oh yeah. Just some of the writing is great, but like those mini games blow <laughs> the world sucks. Like they clearly <laughs> need people on that thing. It's a, wow. it, like the base idea is there. Everything else just sucks. It, it's right. straight well, up. I mean, a but disappointment. that said, like those games did really well, you yeah, know, like, it did. like the, yeah. like, and that, again, I, I don't know if you want to chalk it up to nostalgia or what, but like people really they love 3d platformers mm-hmm. you know they and love... that was the last time i ever pre-ordered a game <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> so, wow. wow lesson learned lesson learned yeah listen yeah lesson learned um so yeah i don't know there's there is still future for the there's still hope for the future of 3d platformers like who knows maybe now that uh maybe there's still the potential of some kind of a a reinvention of conquer like we wouldn't we love to see a new conquer game who knows um but in the meantime, you can always check out Banjo-Kazooie on the Switch if you have the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack. Um, any any, any uh, final thoughts about uh, Banjo-Kazooie, 3D platformers, uh, the, the incredible music, the, anything else we want to kind of call out before we before we end this discussion about we this game? We need Banjo-Tooie. <laughs> we need it. Where is but Banjo-Tooie? In yes. the next... In the meantime, we, we should also... And yeah, in all of those games, absolutely. But we should also mention that... Um, this is a really great way to play Banjo-Kazooie as well. Unlike a lot yeah. of other mm-hmm. N64 games that have come to Switch, um, the control scheme is translated really, really well over Oh, yeah, to, we didn't, we didn't talk so about that. Um, so, Campbell, the oh, control yeah. scheme in this game is literally lifted from the Xbox release. Mm, interesting. Outside of okay. the camera, obviously, in the Xbox version that they made for um, Arcade, it was literally like a, uh, like a motion camera. But this, obviously, since it's the N64 version, they can't do that. But, um, yeah, it's still the same exact control scheme. If you play it on Xbox, it's the exact same. Interesting. But it's still the N64 version of the game, though. They just Mm -hmm. lifted the Xbox control scheme. Interesting. I mean, 
I've been really, really enjoy having a smooth experience with it, which I can't say for any other N sixty four game on Switch, <laughs> yeah. just because Besides I always have Star to Fox, exactly. I always have to translate and be like, "What do they mean by you know the C buttons, or what do they mean by Z in this case?" Because it seems different <laughs> from every single game. Whereas this A means A, B means B. You know, it's just it's so natural, and I think that really contributes a lot to making it such a smooth experience for first time players. There you go. Um, I've been enjoying it on uh, both in handheld mode and uh, on the big screen with my N64 controller. Um, oh, I just gonna you. flex on all of us. I like. I got it. I got it. Listen, Didn't somebody has my to. pro controller. <laughs> but this is my Joy Cons, man. <laughs> it, it it works great though, uh, Mark. To 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 uh, to confirm your your point, I think it works great with the with the Joy Cons or in handheld mode. I'm I'm surprised by by how well it um, it translates. That's part uh, of the of reason it... why I think this game is so like fine tuned. Like it sure. just feels right. Like Mario 64, I feel like there's kind of like some issues with it with playing on a modern controller. Like it was clearly designed around the N64 controller. Yes. But yeah. This just like it just works. Like they clearly they proved it on Xbox like 15 years ago. So you yeah. know it works. We could we can still we can still do it, uh, yeah. It's uh it's great. The controls it controls really really smoothly. I still have a you know the, listen, 3D cameras back in the day are rough. Oh, yeah, like, that's gonna be problematic. Yeah, the there's camera no, is no it's still pretty it. hard to hard to mm-hmm. control. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it, it works for the most part really really well. Um, so if you want to kind of check out, I don't know. I'm not gonna say it like this is the best game ever made or something, but it is certainly one of the best N64 games ever made. Like it really holds up very well. Um, I think a lot of the stuff on the, uh, the expansion pack service, I'm kind of mixed on. Um, <laughs> but I think yeah. that Banjo-Kazooie really, it really holds up well. It, it might not feel as modern as a lot of the other offerings um, out Cameron, there on the are Switch. are you telling me you hate Windback? Oh boy! Listen, I isn't I, it Windback without it's the Windback, and I've been is trying it? to play. Oh, it. Yes, it is. That shows how much of a real fan you are, Mark. <laughs> Fake fan once again. Fake fan again. Wow. Fake fan, wow. Mark Kalaroff. Uh, yeah, listen, Windback is rough, guys. Um, I, <laughs> I tried. played five I really minutes tried. of it. That was too too many minutes to spend. <laughs> I think I played okay. the title screen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh boy. And I, it's a tough, one more thing tough I need sell. to add is just that I truly meant what I said at the start of the show, saying that Switch Online is finally worth the price now. Because a <laughs> few weeks ago, I said that I didn't feel like the expansion pack was really worth it, especially if you weren't playing you know, the Animal Crossing expansion. But you know, Banjo-Kazooie is a truly fantastic game, and having that accessible to Nintendo players once again, it's wonderful. And I'm yeah. very glad to have access to it now. I'm right there with you. And of course we got uh, uh Majora's Mask is dropping next month as well. Mm-hmm. So that'll be uh that'll be great to I'm talk about. I'm cautiously looking forward to that because I know that the control <laughs> scheme silence. won't be as good. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I I have heard some reporting that they did uh clean up some of the emulation for Ocarina of Time and some of the other titles on the expansion pack. So hopefully they continue in that trend um by the time Majora's Mask comes out. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Remains to be seen. Have you have you, have you played? Uh, you played the DS version, I'm assuming, uh, Campbell. I did indeed. Yeah. Great. Okay. So it'll it'll probably be a little tougher going back uh, if you do decide to play some Majora's Mask because the the DS the 3DS version cleans up a lot of stuff. 
uh, from the N64 uh, base game. Oh, so yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm I would I'm very curious to hear how how the how the two versions compare uh, when that game uh, comes out. But anyway, that's that's a discussion for for next month. We'll 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 save that for another time. Um, so that's Banjo Kazooie, still worth playing. A lot of writing up on the Goomba Stomp about about this game. Um, Matt has written a great uh, a great little article. Banjo Kazooie still as charming as ever. Completely agree. Uh, and Mark, you wrote something about this game too, right? Am I yes, imagining this? Yes, I wrote about um, what is the definitive version of the game, which, yes. spoiler alert, if you weren't listening, it's the Xbox. But you can read up uh, <laughs> why and why I think so and the benefits to playing it. And I mean, all the versions of this game are fantastic. Like, clearly, you know, we're playing it now, but the N64 version holds up completely. So, like, right. but just I think those minor adjustments and the whole stop and swap implementation in uh, the Xbox release is just phenomenal. It just like perfected the game. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So check out those articles over on Goomba Stomp. Uh, great reads. Congratulations uh, to both of you. And uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We got an indie spotlight for you all. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back to talk about the Artful Escape. Uh, all right, we'll be right back. scarred honestly (laughs) (laughs) my innocent eyes will never recover from this yeah Um, and my innocent ears as well will never recover from what this is i can't imagine what it was like being a kid you know in the late 90s and seeing that game over screen that was horrifying uh, yeah that was something all right (laughs) horrifying titillating it was a little bit of everything why'd you have to say Uh, titillating cameron yeah, listen. <laughs> Why'd you have to use that word? <laughs> I it was it's it's it was just right there. Uh, it's impossible to ignore. Um, so yeah, this, I I needed to get your your gut reaction before we before we moved on to talk about something entirely different. I mean, uh, yeah, I was gonna say, uh, Mark sent me the the YouTube video of the game over screen, and just seeing the thumbnail for that in itself was shocking enough. So it's just. <laughs> Very interesting, and now that's extra motivation to never get a game over in Banjo Kazooie. 
<laughs> there you go. So, Campbell, I'm just trying to inspire you to never die. That's <laughs> Consider all me inspired. I'm going to be I'm trying to make you a better gamer. By, Thank uh, you. By... <laughs> Thank you. I'll become a pro gamer now. About time. Uh, but to talk about something entirely different, uh, we both have been playing this game just got ported to Switch uh, very recently, The Artful Escape, uh, published by Annapurna Games, a 2D cosmic musical runner, platformer? I don't know what you want to call narrative this Narrative experience. Narrative experience. Yeah. We'll call it a narrative experience. Uh, I've, I played, I basically, that's all I did today was, was play this game. Uh, Campbell, you're about halfway through. You said, uh, yeah, thoughts yeah. and feelings. How are we feeling about the artful escape? I mean, if there's one fact I've well established about myself over a year or so of podcasting, it's that I'm a sucker for narrative based games and I'm a sucker for music focused games. Mm-hmm. So the fact that both of those are united in the artful escape and it's all drenched in a truly, truly beautiful kind of psychedelic visual style. It's just, it really is my jam so far. Take that as a music pun if you want. Um, but the artful escape has really been something that's been on my radar for years now. I played it in an early demo at PAX South two years ago, almost exactly two oh. years ago. Years nice. ago now it was my favorite game of the show it just really it was like it really was like an escape from the show floor just because it was so chaotic and noisy and everything right then but then got the headphones in and was playing the game it's just so serene and so otherworldly to play through it and that experience has held up as i've been playing through the full game on switch now um i'm loving the story i'm loving the vibes the music is amazing um and of course, we'll get a little more into the specifics of it later. But um, it's been, I, I've been really, truly, truly enjoying it. Even though I don't think the Switch version is perfect, it does seem to succumb to a lot of those, you know, uh, probably to be expected by now uh, issues with Switch ports where the, the textures are a bit low quality, the performance stutters at times. But even underneath sure. all of that, I've been very much like, you know, there have been multiple times throughout my my experience with the game so far my jaws dropped as i'm just taking in the the yeah. sheer audiovisual splendor of the whole thing yeah this is this is the kind of game where and listen let let the record show that N express is a family friendly podcast uh but if you listen if you want to get a little high and play this game like this is gonna be the best game you've ever played <laughs> uh, <laughs> like it's like uh the whole kind of vibe of it is uh, so okay so the game starts with you are Francis Ven... What's his name? Francis Vincetti? Vendetti, I think. Vendetti, Vendetti. Francis Vendetti, the, the nephew of famed folk musician uh, Johnson Joseph? Ven... Joseph Vendetti. Oh, boy, Something just, with it shows how much the names... I just played this game. <laughs> the names are already gone from my head. Um, so basically, you, you are the nephew of a very famous folk musician. I imagine this is what Jacob Dylan thinks about every single day of his life, uh, the son of... <laughs> The son of Bob Dylan. Um, it's got to be a rough time to like try to be the son of a very famous musician or the you know a relation to a famous musician trying to carve out your own path. So everybody in uh, Francis's small hometown in Calypso, Colorado, is like, oh yeah, you're you're the nephew of uh, of Vendetti. So like you've got you got to love folk music, right? You're like a folk musician, right? And Francis is like, I'm kind of not. Like what I really want to be is like a glam rocker. <laughs> which is 
kind of great to be I, honest I love as someone it. absolutely as it. someone who loves david bowie and pink floyd like yes it's yes. great like okay not to interrupt you but like this entire game feels like just an extended version of the opening to shine on you crazy diamond the pink absolutely. floyd song i just absolutely. i love all the guitar riffs one of my favorite things not to get too ahead of you but in the game as you're running around you can just press y to shred and as you're shredding Hell it's yeah. just like abstract guitar riffs like any pink floyd guitar solo or like you said david bowie it's truly fantastic i, I love how it captures that vibe it's kind of dude, honestly campbell at any given moment i was holding down y like oh I yeah never, no 24 7 stopped yeah. never stopped holding down y i was wailing on that guitar mm-hmm. hearing those those gorgeous uh glam rocker riffs as i ran through the landscape i i thought it was great um that said there's not a lot of like <laughs> there's not a lot of like a game in this game i mean cameron you right? just described the entire game right there you walk <laughs> forward and you hold y maybe when the game yeah. decides to get really frisky you press b to jump and that's sometimes about it and campbell sometimes you double jump oh my god and sometimes <laughs> you can like strum the guitar while you're jumping and like it gives this little like flashy effect yes um, and then you can do these truly thrilling uh musical segments where you do it you jam out with some other characters or something like that. Yes. Um, which basically Simon says. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't the most engaging rhythm experience I've ever no, played. Certainly no. not that. But I think that this is one of those games where you have to go into it not expecting a traditional, like, I don't know, for lack of a better term, gamey game. You know, right. it's not so much like you're you're going to be jumping and uh, making these really impactful decisions and in these exciting situations. It's nothing like that. You're going to be just walking forward, taking in some dialogue, watching some really beautiful spectacles. And you just yes. have to be receptive to all the stuff that's being thrown at you and just kind of take it not quite like a movie, you know, because you're still interacting with it. But it's quite similar to that kind of experience. And I think if you're receptive to that it's fantastic um it's a it's really one of those things where you know like i mentioned there are some issues with the switch version but the thing that's great is it allows you to just kick back you know just play through it have the game in your hands and just take it all in yeah yeah it's i'm, I'm right there with you it, it does suffer a little bit uh being on the switch there's there's some moments especially towards the the latter uh you know the latter third or quarter of the game where there's just like a lot happening on screen um, you start kind of doing these laser light shows where like stuff's, you know, there's fireworks going off, there's lasers going off everywhere. They're playing the guitar and the screen definitely, you know, there's some stutters and some hangups here and there, which is, which is a bit of a shame. Um, we should talk about the, uh, we should talk about the, the Annapurna of it all. Uh, <laughs> Annapurna, very big. I, I, okay. They are technically an indie publisher. Yes. Uh, the uh, next to Devolver, easily the most successful indie publisher out there. So the what they're able to do with these games that they publish is pull in this incredible Hollywood talent to do voiceover. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. so in the Artful Escape, you've got Carl Weathers showing up as uh, the, as Lightman, this uh, this rocker from old times who's uh, just delivering these insane expository dialogue segments but it's carl weathers so it sounds awesome exactly um, yeah his character's got, great his character is great lightman rules um very very funny character 
just like I'm like, yeah, I want to go along on a cosmic journey with you, brother. Like he, he's awesome. Uh, you've got Lena Headey who shows up. Uh, Cersei from Game of Thrones for for the people who don't know. Like, I cannot believe that she is in this game. It's crazy. <laughs> um, Mm-hmm. just shows up for like a couple scenes to deliver just nonsense i haven't uh, looked and at it's the great. voice cast yet but that's wow it's it really crazy, is insane man. yeah jason schwartzman is in this game uh like if, if for fans of scott pilgrim versus the world uh it's crazy the the voice cast that annapurna uh const- uh consistently is able to pull for these very short strange indie experiences <laughs> is very comical to me. This is a game that does not need voice acting, but the fact that it has has it, and it's pretty good for the most part, I think does mm-hmm. elevate it a little bit, especially particularly, uh, I think Carl Weathers just nails it. Yeah, I was uh, just say. about to say, Carl Weathers is in this. I'm looking at the IMDb page. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. I, I'll push back on that a little bit, Cameron. I think the fact that Carl Weathers is in this game demonstrates the fact that this game did need voice acting because it would not be the same thing <laughs> without him in there saying, okay. we're going to the cosmic, what was it called? Extraordinary baby uh, you know like, cosmic extraordinary it's baby. amazing like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great groovy i love it <laughs> it's true um it's it's pretty cool um so yeah basically your entire point uh, the entire thing about this game is you're, you're you're growing up in this small town you have all this pressure upon you to be like a great folk musician i really thought when i started playing this game uh last night that this was going to be kind of like a heartfelt exploration of like wow what does it mean to grow up in the shadow of your relatives and like is this kid going to forge his own path? And it's like, nope. And this then kid aliens. is going to be, this kid is going to get kidnapped by aliens and become a glam rocker. And like, that's, <laughs> that's the game. Like that's, that's literally it. And um, I, I love that level of literalism to it because yeah. I knew there was going to be so much ethereal stuff in this game. You know, I, I played the demo. I knew that the, it, the demo is from like the middle of the game. I knew there was going to be a lot of otherworldly stuff in it, but I, th- I my assumption was that that would all be like metaphorical or something. They'll all be like in his head and he's, you know, just imagining the visions of what it's like to realize yourself. And no, he, literally gets abducted by aliens um and i love it <laughs> why not yes uh, little did we know that uh, uh ziggy stardust and the spiders for mars was actually a, a factual retelling of uh, a thing that happened to david bowie yeah um, we, that's exactly we, it this game is just a retelling of all of david bowie's personas rolled into one <laughs> uh so okay we should we should talk about it so uh, did you get to the part of the game where you get to make your little persona um, I think I'm there right now where you're like selecting great. the worlds and everything. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Awesome. Yep, yep, okay, yep. well, well, no spoilers, but uh, you get to create a little a little bit of a backstory for your for your player character. It's it's pretty fun. Uh, my name was the Mad Daxon, which was pretty good. Um, Campbell <laughs> also, already mentioned. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I also love how when you put your name in there, it gets a the voice acting gets around having to you know try and pronounce the name that you input by just having it be a random guitar riff. So they yes. just say the wondrous. And it's funny. Pardon my, you know, inability to represent the sound of a guitar, but oh yeah, no, I, I think it's more along the lines of like, like mm, that's. Yeah. Well, we could go back and forth on this all day uh, in our <laughs> Express improvisation session. We're jamming, baby. Um, oh yeah, we're we're jamming, all right. We're into it. Um, it's 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 good. Uh, I I think it's best played in like a couple of sittings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a oh, short yeah. game. I beat it in an afternoon. Um, I think I, I think it might lose a little momentum if you if you wait too long between uh, play sessions for playing this game. 
so I, I did appreciate that it, that it was short and sweet. Like I love when any game is it takes me less than you know less than an afternoon to beat. I'm I'm very very all about that. Um, if you're a fan of uh, of like '80s glam rock. Uh, 70s and 80s glam rock, and you and you also this crossed my mind too. If you've ever read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, uh, oh yeah, you might absolutely like, right, like like very Hitchhiker vibes. Yeah, uh, all the, I didn't even think NPCs. about that, but you're yeah. totally right. Well, that's yeah, like I, it. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's like it's it's not gonna blow your mind again. I think I was maybe looking for a little more of like that. Again, because this is an Annapurna game, I was kind of expecting like, oh, there's going to be that kind of Edith Finch, like there's going to be some real depth here. And there's kind of not, um, <laughs> which is fine. Like, I, I I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But it's I mean, like, like, it's, it's very, it's a glam rock game. You know, exactly. it's not like you're expecting deep philosophy into it. No. It's just, it's very glamorous. And it achieves it's, that with, yeah. with true splendor, with aplomb. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, there was there, there there are a couple gems here and there like uh like you very early in the game your your character is talking to I think it's his mom is or maybe it's your aunt I I um, assumed mom but I wasn't I sure mom, yeah, I know right? I love the scene you're talking about Yeah so he's talking to his mom and and uh, it's 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 very it does kind of scratch at that heartfelt thing of like like man nobody asks me about like everybody always compares me to my uncle nobody just talks about like my my dad like what the, what the hell like it's 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 kind of an interesting an interesting moment that did kind of land with me of like man it, it does suck to be constantly compared to somebody who you are not like that's that can obviously you know wreak havoc on you um later in the game um and again this is not really a spoiler because it's not like really a, a story focused game uh it does kind of get an, into a little bit of like what does it mean to to be an artist like what does it mean to be a musician like how, what's What's the work you got to put in? Like, how do you succeed at this? And the player character talks about how, like, well, it's always come easy to me, but I, I feel like if I don't suffer, then I'm then I'm doing bad at art, which is kind of great, <laughs> you know? Oh, like, man, like yeah, yeah like I, I have some natural ability, but I feel like I have to punish myself more, and it's like I I understand that feeling. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's kind of a, a funny uh, a funny truth that I that stuck out to me. Um, what is it? the exact quote is? If it comes easy, I feel like I'm not trying hard enough, which is uh, for anybody who's ever like, you know, done writing or or played music, it's like you'll you'll probably connect with that in some way of like no no it's it's allowed to be you know you're allowed to be good at things you know you don't have to like flog yourself uh, to make yourself a better artist you know uh, that resonated with me I I appreciated that um, so yeah the artful escape it's it's good. It's good. It's uh, very aesthetically gorgeous. The sound, the music, the voice acting—it all does connect very well. I think uh, it, it works. It works on handheld, but I think if you have the opportunity to put it on a big screen and crank up the music, then like go for it because mm -hmm. it, it's it's pretty uh, a pretty cool sensory experience in that regard. Yeah, I've played it almost exclusively in handheld so far, so that exp that would explain why I've had so many more issues with the uh, the visuals and just you know the performance of it so far. But I'll test it out in in dock mode later just to see how it looks. At least, I mean, no matter how you play it, it's still a really 
a really aesthetically just all-encompassing game it's really I, I just think it's impressive how well it ties the visuals the music just the whole vibe of it all together into just an overwhelming onslaught of you know just to put it simply those glam rock vibes um <laughs> it's amazing especially how we were talking about the guitar we we're talking about the pink floyd-esque uh, element to it but like to get real and maybe it is a little more specific but i love how in the music it not only focuses on the guitar and the rock but also throws in the full orchestra into it and it throws yeah. in this the music just continuously just keeps building an intensity in tandem with what you have going on on screen and some really crazy stuff happens on screen you have these crazy creatures walking around in the background as you're playing your guitar the world springs to life you know trees and buildings suddenly appear creatures in the background start to dance and come to come alive and as all of this is going on the music just keeps building in along with the guitar there's also the full full orchestral suite going with it just making it more and more intense and then the the more it increases just the more memorable it all becomes to the point where i was disappointed whenever each kind of set piece like that would end and that's like oh okay we're back to a story scene now oh we have to talk to somebody now um so it's really impressive how it can keep that that momentum with it going, and that's really the, the what I've enjoyed most about the game to this point. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Campbell. Um, it's it's just great, and I I do think it it like I talked about how this game is is pretty short and sweet. I think it ends like at just the right time, like it doesn't like overstay its welcome, uh, which is which is great. Um, so yeah, if you've got a spare couple of hours in an afternoon, um, you got a, you got a big TV, you got a decent sound system, like crank it up, go for it. Or if you want to like put on headphones and, 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 and play it with in handheld mode, like it, it works in that regard too. I, I played it at a coffee shop, uh, this morning, uh, with some headphones in and that was actually really cool to just kind of like sit back and be like, damn, this is, this is great. Um, so yeah, the artful escape, we, we like it, uh, over here. Um, that's probably a podcast. I think, right? We talked about Banjo. We talked about uh, Campbell's reaction to the game over scene. I think we're... Yeah, that about covers exactly. everything, I think. Thank um, you for reminding me of my everlasting <laughs> trauma once again. We're all about unearthing uh, trauma here on N Express, so we're, we're just revisiting <laughs> that for you. Out, of course. That's right. I'm just going to start uh, sobbing at the start of the next episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, I've been your host, Cameron Dax, <laughs> and you can find some of my writing over on Goombastop.com. I had a recent uh, indie snippet come out for Nobody Saves the World, a fantastic action RPG that will hopefully come to Switch one day. We can talk about it on this podcast, but it is currently limited to Steam and Xbox. Uh, I'm over on Twitter at Action Daxon. Mark, where can people find you on the internet? You could find me at the Markel. That, of course, is Mark with the C, Cal with a K. Right now, over on Goombastomp.com, you can find my uh, piece on Banjo Kazooie and why you should play the Xbox version. Maybe if you have the opportunity to play it, Switch version still amazing. But uh, yeah, so there's that. Uh, just a heads up to um, all film and TV coverage. They're moving that all over to uh, Tilt Magazine, our sister site. So if you want to check out my Boba Fett coverage, that is over there now, not on Goombastomp. Oh, excellent. Uh, thank you for the heads up about that, Mark. Uh, yeah, and of course, yeah, your, your coverage on, on Boba Fett, all, all the Marvel stuff has been great lately, so please, please keep writing that. Over oh, and then, then the other thing, um, Rainbow Six Extraction, you can read my review on that in case you're yeah. uh, interested in that. Hell yeah. Uh, what a time. The fire team, the three, the three of us have been uh, <laughs> murdering a lot of aliens, uh, or whatever they are, zombies, whatever the hell they are in this game. Uh, it feels good. Archeans. Archeans, thank you. Whatever. BS term they came up with. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Campbell, where can people find you on the internet? 
Uh, you can find all my games writing at GoombaStomp.com. If you read Mark's review of Rainbow Six Extraction, then you think, gosh, I wonder how to unlock a Tachanka in Rainbow Six Extraction. <laughs> you can read my Operator Unlock Guide for oh, yeah. Rainbow Six Extraction to find out how to unlock all your favorite characters and maps in the game. And then I've also got an indie spotlight and a written review of Windjammers 2 for you to check out if you want some more lovely indie coverage. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at CampbellSGill, uppercase CSG. There it is. And NXpress is also on social media. We are on Twitter as at NXpress Nintendo. Uh, we are, of course, available to download and rate and review all those good things on the podcast platform of your choice. Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, more comments and likes and reviews and all that good stuff helps us uh, get more engagement, which helps us keep making the show. So please uh, do all that good stuff. It helps us out. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.